few months ago in April, we had our weekend Easter experiences and just under 3,000 people attended our services. And in that service, we did a survey like we did the year before. And as the Lord leads, we'll plan on doing it again next year. Uh, but we did a survey and we asked this question, what do you wanna hear a message on that the Bible talks about? And so we asked that question, we gave all kinds of options, people filled out all kinds of things, and we boiled it down to the top five requests on you asked for. Now, Pastor, aren't you supposed to kind of tell us what you're preaching on? I know the, re the role is reversed and it's a little scary. Like you have determined what I'm preaching on over the next few weeks. Well, isn't that, aren't you supposed to hear from God? Well, let me give you a, a, an example. Jesus, in all of the gospels, most of his teaching is in response to a question, in response to a situation, in response to a, a woman being torn off of a bed and thrown in front of him, uh, to uh, uh, working on the Sabbath to uh, who is greater in the kingdom, and he would speak to questions, to issues, to the realities of life, and he would connect stories, parables, illustrations, and scripture to these real-life questions. And so what we're doing over the next few weeks is we're going to boil down right into those main key elements that you've asked to hear what the Bible says about blank. You asked for it and I'm going to give it. So if you don't, if you don't like this message, you blame it on the cert, you blame it on you. Okay. Not me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Today we're going to talk about a hot topic. It is the most requested issue in our whole survey. And what's crazy about this one and next week, both were the top two issues last year. So you know what that means? You haven't grown at all in this situation. You need to get better and all the preaching in the world ain't gonna fix it. You've got to come in alignment with what Jesus wants for you in regards to what we're about to talk about. And the topic today, the topic that we're gonna discuss today is the topic of how do I really forgive someone? How do I really forgive? Out of all the surveys, this was the top issue. How do I really forgive? You know why I think it's the top issue? I think it's a top issue not because we're unwilling to forgive, not because we're, we're all just dealing with all of this crazy right at the, at the roof of our chin issues that we just can't forgive. We're just seeping violence and bitterness and disgust with our neighbor. But I think it's really this. I, I don't think it's so much the forgiveness issue. It's how do I get there? How do I get beyond the pain that someone has, has done to me, that marriage that, that went, went south, that, that deal that went dead, that, that voice that was always telling me we were never good enough, or that parent, or that sibling, or you name it. How do I get beyond the hurt and the pain, even that bitterness? I don't wanna live like that. That's why I think it was the number one issue. Because I think people would quickly forgive if they learned how to get past the hurt and the lack of peace that they're dealing with. And so I know that in a room this size, there are people dealing with all kinds of levels of forgiveness, okay? Some of you, you are upset because Thanksgiving, you put your heart and soul into that Thanksgiving turkey and your daughter, who you taught how to cook, brought a Brookshire Brothers green bean casserole to Thanksgiving. Didn't even taste it. You know green bean casserole's gotta got be good. That's like the redneck delicacy of the South, baby. 
did you just hoop and holler for green bean casserole? Oh, dear God. Whew, that's good, man. That, that's good that you're hollering and clapping for that because uh, that lowers my expectations of how good I need to preach today. And so you're upset with your daughter because they brought the wrong thing to Thanksgiving and, and you, you come down to the altar and you pray with me and my response to you is this, really? Really? We're talking about cream of mushroom soup and like green beans and some fried onion strings. Seriously? Really? And then others of you, they're always talking behind your back and it's getting really old. And when you come down and we talk, I'm like, really, really? And some of you, you have been violated. You've been so deeply wounded. We would talk and I would say, oh my God, really? And in the space between really and oh, oh dear God. That's where we're all living. And we may not even be living in that moment right now. It's when the, it's when the holiday comes. It's when that phone call, it's when you see that Facebook post and, and, and it stirs up that emotion. And so some of us have come in, you're just stirred up with, you know, barbecue smells in the parking lot. You know, you're just excited about just being here and getting out and getting the barbecue. But here's what I want us to do in order to really get the most out of this message. I believe we need to tap into something important today. I want you to tap in, okay? I want you to tap into a memory I want you to tap into a situation of the past that caused you at some point in your life or at some point of that situation where you basically got to this place right here where you said, I don't care anymore. In fact, in your worship guide, that's your first fill in the blank. And I invite you to follow along with the blanks because if you can hear the message and write down the message and take notes with the message, it's a better chance that on Thursday you're gonna remember the message or even Monday afternoon when you need to like deal with a really situation in your life. But it's the I don't care anymore situation. Now you, you, you've dealt with it. I don't care anymore. I don't care you know, fine, I'm sick and tired of the way they've been treating me. I don't care anymore. I've reached out, I've reached out, I've reached out. I don't care anymore. I've tried to do whatever I can to earn their respect and earn their love. I don't care anymore. They keep passing me up for the, for the promotion at the work. I don't care anymore. I, I, I forgave them once. I forgave them twice. I can't do it again. I, I don't care anymore. And if you can stir that emotion up today, we can deal with some stuff real time because the Holy Spirit wants to deal with our I don't cares anymore and help us get beyond the pain and the bitterness. Today, I wanna talk to you about some several, several issues, but I, I wanna warn you, I wanna warn you that, that uh, if you're going to truly embrace forgiveness, if you're gonna truly embrace a life that gets beyond what got you stuck, it's gonna take an element of, of, of faith. You, it's, it's an illogical step. You have to step out into the unknown. You have to step beyond the curtain. You have to believe in faith because what I'm gonna to talk to you about today, some of you will say, that's too hard, I can't do it. And you're not gonna take the element of faith. You're gonna take, take the element of faith out of the equation. Some of you, you're gonna say, that sounds too easy. It's not worth doing. 
So some, that's too hard. Some of you, that's too easy. And what Jesus invites us into today is to take a step of faith, trusting him, leaning not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, including these ways where we need forgiveness and we need to offer forgiveness, that we would lean on him and trust in his path and submit to his word. It is the moral compass for our lives and it has authority and power and value. But you are going to have to take that next step of faith into what we're gonna talk about. I don't care anymore. How do you get to that place? It's a process. You don't just overnight get there. There is some elements that we progress through, some, some pieces that we progress through. I'd like to offer these to you. The first would be this. The first step would be distance. When you start feeling distance, that's like a huge recipe for a, a, a country music song, you know? We were not where we once were. You were in Tulsa and I was in Houston. I mean, you know, it's just like, you name it. And uh, I don't love you the way, I, I, now I'm gonna get, I'm, I'm trying to think of something, I'm, I can't do that. Distance. Distance sometimes makes the heart grow fonder and sometimes distance makes you go crazy, okay? Distance can be the beginning of a need for forgiveness. And you know, there are two main pieces that develop distance in a relationship, distance in a situation. Number one could be conflict, where there's a, there, there, there's a conflicting issue, there's a conflicting story, there's a conflicting attitude, there's a rub, there's, a, there's a, 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 a disrespect, there's a miscommunication, and there's conflict. And the Bible, you know, uh, it could say where two or three are gathered in my name, conflict will be in the midst of them. That's not what it says. But when you get people together, like at Thanksgiving, which is only a few weeks away, get ready. I am helping you so that when Thanksgiving dinner is on the table, you'll be able to remember, I forgive you instead of anything else you might be saying in that moment. Conflict can cause distance. But you know what else can cause distance? Neglect. Not just a, not just a hurt in a relationship, but just space, just not working on the relationship. Relationships are not something that you set and forget. They need fuel. They, they, they need oxygen. They, they, they need to be watered. They, they don't grow just on themselves. They require effort and work. And some of you may be dealing with a distance in a situation that's causing a hurt and a wound and unforgiveness because you've neglected a relationship. And now you've got to come back and fix a situation that you neglected. If you don't pour your life into relationships, they will dry up. And so we have distance. And so what happens after distance? We start feeling the distance. Here's what we do then. We get the, we get the uh, brick and the mortar and we start building walls. As we fill the distance, we start setting up walls if we're not careful. We start putting barriers. The longer you're away, so, well, I'm not gonna answer their call the next time they call. It's been too long. Oh, now they're texting me? Oh yeah, well, my birthday was yesterday. Well, I don't care if they said happy birthday on Facebook. That don't count. By the way, it doesn't, okay? <laughs> Do it anyway, but I don't count. Oh, now they're gonna come. Now, no, 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 no. And you click, 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 put the wall. You build the wall. You know what the good thing is about wall? There's a great thing about walls. You know what the good thing about walls is? It keeps bad people out. You know the bad thing about walls? It keeps the good people out. 
And we can build walls and we can keep bad people out, but simultaneously we keep the good people out. You know what's even worse? We can keep bad people out, we can keep good people out. We can build a wall and we keep God out. And we've built this wall of hurt and, and this wall of defensiveness and, and, and we, 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 have, we have mortared it together with the cement of bitterness and frustration. And we isolate ourselves. We get on Gilligan's Island and we say, forget it. I'm, 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 I'm just gonna build my place. And from there, you're not gonna find the kind of vibrancy, the kind of community, the kind of God-given potential all of you and your families were designed to live within. But it goes not even just stopping there, it goes beyond, and we deal with escalation. So what caused the distance sets the walls, and then the more we like brew on it, the more we just kind of like think about it, the more it gets to be a bigger deal. I wanna tell you why she didn't do the green bean casserole. I'm gonna tell you why. She does not respect my authority. I'm gonna tell you why. Because there was a time back in the day that I didn't give her the gift she wanted and now she's wounded by that and she's not forgiving me. I'll tell you why she didn't bring the green bean casserole. I mean, it just escalates into something that it's really not. And all of a sudden when we have this escalation, it can get your tongue out of control. When stuff starts escalating, you start saying stuff you never meant to say. I talk about this little story. I've told it before. In fact, um, somebody brought me a big, uh, Joe, Kilgore, Joe and Cody brought me a big set of pair of socks when I told this story. And I didn't tell in the first service, so you're welcome. Here we go. Uh, woke up in the, early in the morning to work out. I get into the front drawer. There are no white socks in the drawer. I think to myself, there are no white socks. Well, Janet is getting up early too because she goes and runs. I said, Janet, where are the white socks? Why didn't you do laundry? Uh-oh. <laughs> just a question. I was just asking a question. She pokes her head out of the bathroom like this and says, why didn't I do laundry? I said, well, you know, you do your parts, I do my part. Your part is, you, you, usually you always tell me, don't do the laundry because you mess it up every time. So I'm just blessing you with the opportunity. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't do your laundry. I don't know where it is. Go find it. Maybe you can do a load yourself. Okay, well, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know, my job is to mow the lawn. You have someone pay to, you pay someone to mow the lawn. Yeah, but I get it done. Well, I'll start doing laundry when you start cleaning up after yourselves and stop leaving the milk out of the refrigerator or putting an empty gallon of milk in the refrigerator, Jeremy. Well, hey, I, I, I was gonna remind you we needed milk. That's why I put it back in the refrigerator. You, 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 don't, you are always pointing the finger at me. You're always pointing the finger at me. Fine, fine, fine. Hey, go have a good workout, Pastor Jeremy. And I get the door, I will, God bless you. <laughs> and I'm on the Stairmaster and I'm going and I got, I got my Nike shoes and my dress socks. Dress socks all the way up to here. I'm just, oh, she don't care about what I'm doing. Doesn't she know I'm busy? And all of a sudden, a stupid situation about socks. 
And I come home and it's like, Antarctica in there. It's like I walk in, what has happened? And a little thing on socks can escalate to a situation that causes division in the home. And that's how we get bitter and it's how we get mad. And it's, if it all boils down, a lot of divorce papers come back to irreconcilable differences. But I would say if we backed up and backed up and backed up, those irreconcilable differences started with some very easily reconcilable differences. But distance and walls and escalation. And we don't know how to deal with it because we get stuck in the middle of it. It's like, we, it's like we're in the middle of the water. We don't have a helicopter view to see beyond where land is, where the shallow water is, where we can get our breath and swim, swim to the, to, to the shore. And that's what Jesus' word is. It's the shoreline. It's the place of salvation. It's the place of stability. It's the solid footing for you and for me. But it doesn't stop at escalation. It gets into false belief. The enemy, his native language, the Bible says, is lies. His native language is just lies. And you can begin to believe lies so quickly from gossip. And the, you know the person who lies to you some of the most beyond the enemy is yourself. You know how Snickers says, you're not you when you're hungry. Have a Snickers. Brilliant advertising. You're not you when you're hungry. Dude, you do not want to hang out with me on two days on a low-carb diet. I will cut you. I'm not me when I'm hungry. But you know what else? You're not you when you're offended. You're not you when you've let hurt escalate. You're not you. And the worst person you could listen to in the middle of your hurt is just you. And what happens, though, in this false belief, we begin to listen to ourselves. We listen to the inner chatter. We listen to the enemy's chatter. We listen to our own chatter. And we begin to accuse and we begin to believe. And all of a sudden, something that, like this became irreconcilable because of the false belief. When you're hurting, you can't just listen to yourself. You know, that's why we need the church. You know, I, it's why we need consistency. It's why we invite you to go through the starting point experience that is every Sunday at 9.30. Not just to get to know the church and us to get to know you, but for you to begin to taste and see that being a part of a local body like this is critical. It's like huge. And the more consistent you become, the more you serve on a dream team, the, the, the more you find out your God-given potential and your gifts and your passions, and you begin to serve, the more you're around people that you need to be around. Is this church full of perfect people? <laughs> no, no. Uh, and, and here it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And we wanna help you get to that next place. And a false belief would say, well, I'm good with just my Jesus fix every once in a while. Oh no, we need each other and we need consistency of hearing the word of God. Wasn't that beautiful worship today? Not because it was good music, but just because I believe it made the heart of God happy asking him to do what he already wants to do. When we ask, do it again, he's saying, yeah, I want, I want to. We're just asking what he wants to do. But we gotta be together on this. Distance, walls, escalation, false belief into hostility. 
And you know, hostility would almost sound like it's the, it's the text messages back and forth. Look, I'm on Facebook. People screaming at the top of their thumbs at each other. Just, I mean, heated where they've unfriended their ex-spouse and you get to see what they're saying about them and it's just so, it's just hostile. But can I tell you what hostility really is? Hostility isn't this place of, of living in heat and hurt and anger. It's actually the absence of peace. Hostile environment is not how many arrows are thrown that make it hostile. Hostile environment is an absence of peace. And what God wants more than you to forgive is he wants you to know his peace. And if you can embrace his peace, then you'll know what it's like to forgive. So with hostility, that list is the same kind of list that some of you have gone through. Some of you feel maybe you're at distance. It's time to do a checkup. Don't let it get to walls. Some of you have been living in the hostility for a while. Some of you, you maybe haven't felt like this yet. But if you have two feet in a heartbeat, if you breathe, there's gonna be a time in your life where you're gonna have to face this kind of process. Now, here's what is the interesting thing about all this. Every single one of us before Christ have gone through all of these things in our relationship with Jesus. When we look at these things, we, say, we think of that spouse, we think of that situation, we think of that brother, we think of that coworker, we think of that boss, we think of that hurtful, we, we, we just, we put a human face to it or a human situation. But the truth is you need to put yourself in that because this is where we were before Jesus saved us. All of us were in this. Let me show you the apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. He talks to the church at Ephesus and he says, look, you've got to remember. Everybody say remember. remember. Now here's what's interesting in the Greek for the word remember. You know why? You need to pay attention to the word remember in the Bible. Do you know why you need to pay attention to the word remember? Here's the deep theological truth. You ready? Because it means that you forget stuff. I know, I know. Pay me extra today. <laughs> you forget stuff. Remember. My wife loves to say, hey, 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 remember. Monday's trash day, remember. Hey, remember, you've gotta go get those contacts for Sage on Friday before they close it too. Otherwise, she's gonna to have to play those basketball games on Sunday afternoon without any contacts and she's gonna be upset and so am I. <laughs> remember, and why does my wife tell me to remember? Because she knows I'm prone to. And the same is with my wife. If she says, hey, let's go on a date three weeks from today. I don't have to, I, I, don't, I don't have to, I, I'm not gonna forget that. I said, remember, remember, remember what she said? Hey, let's put the kids to bed early tonight. Let's you and me hang out. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. <laughs> well, 6.32 in the evening comes, kids, time for bed, time for bed. Get up, I'm 14, dad, go to bed. <laughs> Jeremy, why are you doing that? Remember, remember, <laughs> remember. I did say that, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> yes, you did, and I will not forget. Steel trap. You can't remember the trash, but you remember a, a wink. <laughs> Here are two Advils. What? I'm not, I don't have a headache. Remember. <laughs> remember. <laughs> I better shut up. <laughs> 
my wife's not here in the second service, see? So don't you say a thing. I'll not, I'll, I'll not forget, <laughs> remember. All right, back to the scripture, okay? Let's back that up, here we go. So you gotta remember, because it is your instinct to forget. You are prone to forget this, everybody. Remember that at the time, you are separate from Christ. He's talking about those that are reconciled into Jesus. At, at one time, you were separate from Christ without hope and without God in the world. All of us have been there. And some of you still are. And you don't have to stay there. He said, remember where you were. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been what? And it's not you bringing yourself near. It's not you picking yourself up by the bootstraps. It's not anything you could ever do. You were brought near through the blood of Christ. He's not even the offending party. He hasn't done anything to offend us. We're the ones that did the offending and yet we're brought near through his sacrifice on the cross. For he himself is our peace. And I'm gonna tell you when we say, how do I, I wanna hear a message on forgiveness? I just believe you're not asking for a message on forgiveness. You're really, you're asking for a message on peace. You're asking for a message of how to get past the hurt, hit, get past the wound. You want, I, I think you want to forgive, but you don't feel like you can because you can't get past the hurt. And Jesus, he himself, leaning into Jesus, not about what you could ever do, but what he's already done. That's the peace. Jesus, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier. Look at this, the distance, the escalation, the wall, destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. The only way you can break down the walls and stop the escalation and get beyond the hostility and, and get beyond the distance is to lean into the peace who is Jesus. And it doesn't make sense because it's peace that passes your own understanding, but it requires a step of faith into the illogical trust of Jesus that by leaning into him, you can find the strength you need to forgive. He's the one that tears down the wall. So here is what he asks us in return. He breaks down all the wall. He gets rid of hostility. He meets the gap of distance. And he says, for you, get rid of all bitterness. I'm trying. Rage and anger. I know, but I just get so upset. Brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. He's saying, look, just rage, internal anger that spills out in brawling or saying the wrong things. Some of you, you're not fighting in the front yard at Thanksgiving, but you are sure laying the law down with words of, uh, that, that are just wrong. And it's slander. And you, gotta, you just gotta let it go and embrace the peace of God. So be kind and compassionate. He doesn't even stop there. Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all that. And now you want me to be kind and compassionate? Yes. How do we do all that? We forgive each other. What? Just as. See, the key words in all that is not getting rid. It's not the bitterness. It's not the rage. It's not the slander. It's not the malice. It's not the kindness. It's not the compassion. It's not the one another. It's not even the forgiving each other. But when you can see just as in Christ, 
God forgave you. When you can see your position in a day and age that everybody's getting a trophy, everybody's the hero, everybody's like, you know, awesome. And you are, you are awesome. But you know what? You came in seventh place. You don't deserve a trophy. You deserve to go to the locker room and cry a little bit. You deserve somebody to tell you, uh-uh, yeah, no way you're making all-stars. We ain't coming up with 17 all-star teams. We got one. You ain't no all-star. Go get a J-O-B because you are not going to be in the MLB. All right. Yeah, that may be a little strict. I'm just saying, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Something that happens to you in the forgiveness of you is it gives you the power and the capacity to forgive others. But if you don't understand the forgiveness of you, you walk without the power and the capacity to truly forgive others. So you have to know your place of need, your place of desperate need for forgiveness before you can be kind and compassionate to remind yourself. And so I'm inviting you on a journey now. I'm inviting you on a journey on how to be someone who forgives. And I'm gonna give you three steps. And I'm gonna tell you three steps. Two of them, you're gonna hate. You're not gonna like it. It's gonna rub you the wrong, it's gonna be too easy or it's gonna be too hard. But in, in faith, if you'll step out and let God do the miraculous by you trusting him and leaning not on your own understanding, these steps are what it takes according to the word of God to truly be at peace with yourself, with God and with one another. Are you ready? So the first one, this is not theological gymnastics. This is not some kind of crazy, I've never heard that before. It's easy, but it's really, really hard. Step one, receive God's forgiveness. Receive God's forgiveness. Okay, I receive God's forgiveness. I comes before E, except after C. Receive God's forgiveness. Step two, give it to me, Jeremy. Let me know. Step two, got it down one. God forgives me. That's awesome. What's step two? Because I really want to forgive this jerk. What's step two? I don't think many of us have really understood the power of step one. I mean, we know it. We've heard it preached. We could even say amen to it. That's right. I agree. But when it comes to receiving God's forgiveness, I think a lot of us are still trying to earn it. I don't think forgiveness would have come up in the top five of the 40 issues you could hear a sermon about if we truly understood what it meant to receive God's forgiveness. Because you, some, you have walked into this place today and you've already asked God forgive you, and he has. And yet when the worship music starts, you keep telling yourself lies. You keep telling about how bad you did how, what, what, what you did, when you did it, and you forget that God truly wants to and has, if you've asked, he has forgiven you and wiped the slate clean. It's you that aren't letting go. And you've got to receive the forgiveness of God because it starts with you and works its way out to others. It doesn't start externally with others and then work its way into you. The fruit starts inside the tree. And if you don't know what's inside of you and the forgiveness that you've experienced, you cannot effectively sprout the kind of fruit of forgiveness to others until you've experienced it for yourself. 
He knew all of you and what you would do and where you would be and what you would say and the mistakes you would make. And still he sent his son to the cross. God has forgiven you, paid for your forgiveness. He invites you to receive it, accept it, confess it. But some are just still living in the guilt. Talking with a friend just the other day about their spouse Man, they're making steps, but I think they're living in shame. They're living in the guilt of a mistake in the past. And it is handcuffing them. It's like having to swim through peanut butter and everything else in your life. If you can't receive the forgiveness of God for yourself, it will make everything else like quicksand. Paul, 1 Timothy, he says it like this. And look, Paul, he persecuted Christians. He held their coats when, when, when Pharisees and Sadducees would pick up stones and stoned a man to death, beat him to a pulp in the dusty street, and he stood by and held their coats so they could warm up to take the life of this Christ follower. He persecuted the church. He persecuted people that claimed to know Christ. And it's out of that deep, dark regret and shame and guilt that Paul finds true forgiveness and he writes to remind us, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. You know what he was acting like? Someone who was ignorant and didn't know Jesus. Can I just say to you, stop trying to put the armor of God on people that aren't Christians. Like, if they're not a Christian, you shouldn't. I cannot, I can't believe they said that. (laughs) You should. If they're not living by the convictions, character, and conduct of Jesus, stop holding them to that measurement stick. And you know what? Can I just say right now? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm glad you're here investigating the claims of Christ. You may just be here just because you were invited by someone because you're just looking for the barbecue. That's okay. We'll get there in just a minute. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to do a thing I'm saying today if you're not a follower of Jesus. But if you have bowed a knee to Jesus today, if you have bowed a knee to Jesus at any time, these things are obligatory. They're they're obligated in your life to follow the word of God. They're not optional. Well, let's see how it feels. Let's just roll the dice and see. These These are mandatory in our lives. He says, I was ignorant and I didn't have any belief and I was just acting the way sinners act. But the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, not just to cover a little bit, more than enough. God has more grace for you than what you have for yourself, I promise. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You know, look, at, look what that says. Not only did Jesus give us grace, but do you know that Jesus has faith in you? that Jesus has faith in you that you can be beyond where you are, that you can live in freedom every day, that you can, you can get beyond what's holding you back. He has faith in you. He sees your God-given potential. He sees you created in his image. And not only does he give you grace to cover a multitude of sins, but he has faith and love for you. And it's freely given, it just has to be received. So Paul goes on to say, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, okay? You gotta, you, this is a trustworthy saying. And in fact, this would be a good saying for all of us to memorize, like I said, in this trophy-hungry culture. 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I'm not that bad. If you take that approach and don't understand that without Jesus, we're just nothing. That is grace covering our our lives. Your little sin and their big sin makes no difference. Sin is sin and it separates us from Jesus. And man, I... He came into the world to save people like me and I need his forgiveness. I need it. It's not, it's not living uh, as, uh, with, a, with a mentality of that you are no good. It's not living with a mentality that you don't deserve the grace. It's just living in a humility that I need forgiveness. If you can live in that, that prepares you for the next step. If you feel like you need to forgive yourself because God's forgiven you, I would take you to Isaiah chapter eight, uh, chapter one, come now, let's settle it. And God doesn't wanna settle it with you like he does high, you know, the, the high noon movie in Dodge City, Kansas, where you walk out and whoever shoots first, he says, let's settle this, let's make it right. Though your sins are like scarlet, I wanna make them white as snow. Stop trying to fix it or cleanse it on your own. They are, though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool if you'll only obey me. And I'm telling you, we got a white couch that we bought when our kids were younger, and it's one of the dumbest decisions we've ever made as a couple to buy that stupid white couch because there are some orange Fanta stains that just ain't coming out. And I can scrub and I can work and I can cover and I can do whatever. And I can call Stanley Steamer. But I just can't fix it. But Jesus says, you can't cover it up. And there's not enough church attendance. And there's, there's not enough praise gods or amens or, 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 or Jesus help me's that could cover it all. It's him alone. And he says, let's settle it. Let's settle it today. Don't walk out of this room today without letting Jesus settle it with you. Settle it because you can't get to forgiveness without settling this, if you will only obey me. I've been trying to obey him, it's really hard. The Bible says in John, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And in 1 John, he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands and my commands are not burdensome. But if you're just trying to obey God without loving God, his commands are burdensome. But if you love him, if you live on that side of the comma, love him. It'll give you the power and the desire to obey what he's calling you to do. Live the way you're supposed to live. You would write this down. If you live your life trying to earn his forgiveness, you'll live making others earn your forgiveness. Do you see how critical it is that you have the right viewpoint of God? Because the way you view God and your father is the way you're going to travel and traverse relationships horizontally. So if you will know it's not about earning his forgiveness, then people don't have to earn your, some people are trying to earn your forgiveness, friend. They're, they're begging you to forgive them and you just won't do it because they haven't said what you expect them to say yet. That's not how Jesus is. And that may be how you roll, but that's not how Christ rolls. While we were still sinners. He died. Number two, freely give what you have received. (laughs) Easy to say, really, really hard to do. But if you wanna follow scripture, Matthew 10, freely you have received, freely give. I didn't make you earn it. Don't make others earn it. So really this next statement could be the statement of the day. It's not, but it could be the statement of the day. 
It's a statement that you ought to to know. The forgiven forgive. The forgiven forgive. Because you've been forgiven, you're not, it's not how you forgive, it's that you're called, you're compelled to forgive. Guns and Roses will tell you, live and let die. Jesus says, the forgiven forgive. I take you to the scripture. Paul, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. There's a little bit of verbal gymnastics there for a second. Let's back up. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Well, one died for all, I'm assuming that's Jesus, but then therefore all died, what what does he mean by that? Well, if you take that just like that, then it's hard to understand. But when you take the whole word and you continue to read, he died for all, that's Jesus, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. In other words, therefore all die when we see the price he paid, how he was willing to give up for us, we surrender for him. He died for your best interest. We surrender for his best interest. We should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. God was balancing the world, reconciling, bringing it to zero. We were in debt to God. And he reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. If I'm not gonna count your sins against you, who am I to count their sins against me? I don't forgive them because they sinned against me. But if I'm to carry the message of reconciliation and balancing this, then I've got to be willing to Forgive other people's sins against me. You know what? In the Lord's prayer, we love our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the day of our daily bread. Dot, 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 dot. Towards the end of that prayer, he says, if you forgive, I'll forgive. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. It's powerful. We don't know God's forgiveness until we've received it for ourselves and then offered it to others. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. We represent him and his kingdom as though God were making his appeal through us. Number three, you go first. You go first. It's like, it's like two friends, you know, sitting on the edge of a large cliff, wanting to jump into the water You ready? I'm ready. You go first. (laughs) After you, I insist. No, I'm just, you go first, but uh, age before beauty. (laughs) You go first. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't because you had figured it all out. Romans 8 says he demonstrated his own love and that while we were still sinners, he dies for us. Jesus goes to the cross and they laid him down with a hammer in the air and a nail on his wrist. He didn't say, whoa, 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 whoa. And lean up and say, hey, everybody, just wanna make sure, are you guys gonna actually like believe this if I do this? Are you gonna be with me? Are you gonna receive this? He took the punishment 
and the stripes and the wounds before we ever, before we ever could say thank you. He did it all for us. He went first. And you know, the first to forgive is the happiest. The first to forgive is the happiest. When you can step out there and know God forgave me (laughs) and I'm gonna forgive, not only is it gonna make me healthy, but it's gonna help them see Jesus because when I forgive them, they start seeing Jesus in me. Some people, they can't see Jesus in you because you won't let it go. And Jesus wants to, for you to be a part of the story that he is writing for humanity. And until you let it go, receive the forgiveness and give it fully and be the first and not wait for them to say what they were going to say or send you the text or erase the Facebook post. You go first and the first to forgive is the happiest. Bible says in Matthew 5, Jesus says, blessed are the peace talkers. Wait, no. Blessed are the peace thinkers. Thank you. But Journey, I've got you a Dak Prescott jersey. I forgot to bring it, but I, I got you that Journey. Journey Journey's my, 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 my girl right there and uh, in the back. She said she's a Cowboys fan and she didn't have a jersey. I said, you got to have a jersey, girl. Who knows how they're going to do, but I love you. I heard you from there, back there. I love you, Journey. Thank you. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not just thinking about it, not just knowing it's the right thing, but making peace. You know, the word blessed is not about health, wealth, and prosperity and getting you jet, right? Blessed, the, the original language has to do with happy. And you could read it, happy are the peacemakers. But we've turned happiness into a way we feel if circumstances are right. But happiness is really more about joy, joyful are the peacemakers, that no matter the circumstances they face, they have a buoyancy to them. They're they're able to to withstand the, 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 the waves and the wind and the pressures of life. They have a buoyancy in them when they make peace. Nothing sinks them but they will be called sons of God. What a beautiful description. They'll be, they'll, 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 they will be rise up and people will call them. Now let me show you James too, and we're almost done. The wisdom that comes from heaven, because the earth is gonna give you all kinds of quote unquote wisdom. Your drunk uncle Dave's gonna get you all kinds of wisdom. Your worldview is gonna attach to you what you think is wisdom, but can I tell you there is wisdom that comes from heaven. And that wisdom on how to make peace, on how to live life, it is first of all pure. There's no ill intent. There's no motive. There's no selfish motive of making peace. I'm gonna make peace so that you can do something for me. It's pure, it's peace loving. It's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy, it's good fruit. It's impartial and it is sincere. James says, that peacemaker, that, that wisdom that comes from making peace like that from heaven, peacemakers who sow, who work, who try hard, who get out there and do it, 
who sow in peace. You know what they get in return? They get to reap a harvest. They raise a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of rightness, of just living right. And I only imagine that some of you hear this message today and say, that's good. That's good. I hear it. But you just, you still just don't know my story. You still don't know what I went through. You still don't know how I felt. You still don't know what they did. And I trusted them. And if I told you, I don't think it'd be, you'd, I don't think you'd have as much ease to, to share that message. And you know what? If you came and told me what you had gone through, I would probably say, really? Really? I'd probably say, man, I don't like them either. They are a jerk. But can I tell you that all of us have to get beyond the way we feel about it. And it's not about feeling right in order to do something. It's about doing the right thing. And then experiencing the joy and the peace. Unfortunately, it's not about feeling all of this good here and then making it right. It's about taking a step, even in the middle of your hurt, and saying, because God forgives me, just as he forgave me, I'm not only gonna forgive you in my words, but I am going to be kind, compassionate. I'm gonna get rid of the bitterness. It's out, it's out the door. I'm gonna stop drinking that poison. That's the old statement. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die over it. I'm gonna stop drinking that poison because Christ forgave me and I'm gonna sow in peace. And it's not about feeling it, it's about doing it. And you know what? I'm gonna conclude with this statement. In fact, I could conclude, I can conclude every single sermon from here until 2027 with this statement. It's probably a good idea to, to close every sermon with this statement. I want you to write it down. Choices lead, feelings follow. If you will make the choice beyond the feeling, but many people, their feelings lead and it affects their choices. Their feelings lead and they choose not to forgive. Their feelings lead and they get deeper and deeper into bitterness. Their, their feelings lead and they step out of that marriage. Their feelings lead and they go to a place they never expected themselves to go. They thought they would have had enough willpower to say no, but their feelings led and their choices followed. And I'm calling us to a greater purpose. It's Jesus showing us choices lead, feelings follow. Look at Jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane, the night he's arrested, his choice had to lead, not his feelings. Because in his feelings, in his prayer, and can I tell you, share all your feelings, cast all your cares on him in prayer because he cares for you. And Jesus shows, he says, I don't wanna go do this thing. Take this cup from me. I wanna go to the cross. There's a lot of persecution and excruciating pain coming. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And his choice led. Aren't you so thankful his choices led? and not the feeling of his own humanity in that moment. On the cross, <laughs> a week earlier, they're saying, 
hallelujah and hosanna, hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there he's riding in on a colt and a donkey and they've got the palm leaves and they're singing and they're rejoicing and they got the tambourines out and the organ. And a week later, another crowd is formed and they're, they're saying, crucify him. Crucify, kill him, kill him. Soldiers mocking him, the fake crown of thorns covering his eyes smacking him in the face oh who oh, gives you the son of god who's smacking you who's smacking you jesus huh and on that cross naked bleeding suffocating wounded pierced he has this capacity to say father wipe him out Father, you know what's coming to him. No. What does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And if God can stretch his hands out through his son and forgive us, if we can embrace that, you can forgive too. So usually I, at this time I say every head bowed and every eye closed, but... I think we need some accountability this morning. So every head up, every eye open, even if you're blind in one of them. If you're here today, I wanna challenge you, make true to this final statement, choices lead. I'm gonna invite you to make a choice today. I want you to think of the person's name. I want you to think of the situation. I want you to think of, of the hurt. I want you to think of when you said, I don't care anymore. I want you to think of the wall or the escalation. Maybe even you're realizing there's been some false belief and some hostility, a lack of peace. You don't feel like doing anything today, but I'm gonna challenge you to make a choice. And can I tell you something? I told the first service this, I'll tell you too. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand that you need to forgive someone. You need to let your choice lead and your forgiveness, your feelings follow. I need to raise my hand. I got people in life that have burned me. People have said things that are false. People that, that have wounded me by actions I thought I could trust. And I, I, have to, I have to choose to let that go and choose to forgive. So if you're here today and you wanna choose, choose to forgive today right where you are, put a hand up in the air. I choose to forgive today. Hands all over the place. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Well, that's where we pray. Keep your hand up. Father, in Jesus' name, may our feelings follow the choice because it's a deep hurt. Our God, I've let it get way beyond what it was. It was just an insignificant thing, but now it's become this huge barrier. And I, I, I'm already dreading Christmas. But Jesus, I choose because you chose to forgive me before I had any of my spiritual ducks in a row. I choose to forgive that person. I choose to let it go. I choose to not walk with my fist clenched around that situation, but I release it in Jesus' mighty name. Now would you close your eyes with me and bow your heads? And this is more of a personal moment. If you're here today, it's not about you forgiving someone else. It's you receiving the forgiveness of God. If you're here today and you need to ask Jesus to be the center of your life, the savior of your life, 
you came in thought that you were here for barbecue. But as the music has played and as the sermon has been preached, you are realizing you've drifted or you're realizing you've never invited him to make, to, to, to make peace with him and you've been carrying a whole lot of baggage on your own and he wants to take that away. And if you want to ask Jesus to be your savior for the first time, for the first time in a long time, would you just put a hand in the air? I want to pray over you. Yeah, yeah, several hands. I see, thank you. I'm looking all across, looking all across. Yeah, thank you, thank you. There's several hands. Several hands. Jesus sees you way before I saw you. He saw you the moment you even had the thought to raise your hand. You can put your hand down. In your own words, you would simply say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, for covering my sin, for giving me a fresh start. I believe you are who you say you are. I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart, you are the Lord. And I, and I need a savior. I can't fix my own mistakes. I can't fix my sin. But you, I need a savior to wipe my sin away. Thank you. Thank you for not being mad at me today, but for giving me this chance to make things right with you. I receive your forgiveness. I'm a Christian. I'm freed from the past. I'm gonna have some memories and I might have some consequences, but I am right with God today. I say it in the name of Jesus. Put your hands together for those that made a decision to follow Christ today.